Ben at the Blue Eagle Bar. Ben at the Blue Eagle Bar. Ben at the Blue Eagle Bar. A few miles outside of town, October 1973, and it's not too tough to find a drink. Clarence, Texas may have emptied in the 1960s, but it never lost its taverns. If anything, Clarence's many failures may have increased revenue on its bars. Alcohol also serves commuters and truckers when connected to a thoroughfare. And since the late 1950s, Clarence has been part of the interstate system. To serve both local and transient traffic, bar business is distributed like a decoration of buildings on all four of its city entrances. On all edges, east, north, south, and west, there are about 15 external outer city bars total. Each location an inebriated guard tower for the city. No one can avoid a bar when leaving or entering town. And who would want to? And who would want to? Easily overlooked, amidst all these other bars, is the Blue Eagle. It's just another bar. The Blue Eagle, established in 1959, is one of those small bars that exists on the east. It was established the month after the interstate was first made open to traffic. And it is there where you'll find Ben this early weekday evening. He likes to pick a different place to drink every time. He likes to pick a different place each time. He's been here close to three hours. Showed up a little past 3 p.m. You'll spot him right now as the only person currently in the bar. Ben is sitting on a bar stool. He's watching his extinguished cigarette on his ashtray while he quietly smokes a new one. The entire room is paneled in deep brown wood. The room has red vinyl chairs, each with flimsy metal legs, kind of legs that don't look like they could actually support a person if somebody sat on it. But yet each of those chairs seems to have a history attached to them visually that suggests a life of purpose that would outcompete most humans' output. These chairs are randomly distributed on the floor, and there's no booths. You want booths? Go to another bar. There's the bar itself with five stools. The stools themselves are also red vinyl. And then there are the four tables. There are four tables behind the bar that are sort of randomly placed around the room. The tables kind of move around a lot during the night. Dark wood fixtures, nearly everywhere. It's an instantly nostalgic place when you think back to it, and an uncomfortable one when you're in it. There's a dark green carpet. Peanut shells are stuck in the fibers. A kind of bar like this always has perfect touches of ambience. A stray lamp or two with yellow bulbs. There's one window, but it's covered, and it allows in no real outdoor light. The window is covered with a drape, and the drape is gathering dust. 
The mood inside the Blue Eagle is endless and impenetrable. Endless and impenetrable. The highlight of the Blue Eagle is a recently installed Roe MM5 jukebox. The owner of the place is gonna lose a lot of money repairing that thing over time. But it is very nice looking, that MM5, with multicolored stained glass and decorative iron grating. It's a damn beautiful jukebox. The ceiling inside the Blue Eagle is stained from smoke. And if you move five feet away from the MM5, you'll notice the ceiling is also sinking in slightly from what looks like hail damage and rain, which ended up leaking. But what are you doing looking up? The good customers look down or ahead, never up. It's a perfect dark room. It's a perfect dark room to disappear in. The room is silent, with only ambient noise. The bartender isn't even there, at least presently. Yes, presently it's just Ben, his bourbon and his beer, a cigarette, and the room. With such an opportunity at meditation, and with some focus, Ben can hear a slight hum. He identifies it. The hum is coming from the clock. The clock is about 10 feet away. It's on the wall near the back by the sink. It's an electric motor clock with normal hour and minute hands. It's the second hand that's making the noise winding around the time, time, time. It's an illuminated clock with a Schlitz logo on its face behind the glass. But the clock's face, like all faces, carries a story. It's been defaced with rowdy permanent marker to say Lone Star instead over the Schlitz, and then two Shiner stickers over that. The debated upon clock still keeps good time. and says it is 5.55. In a minute, Ben won't even be able to see the clock. The place is about to be packed. Outside, you'll hear the parking of cars. The dirt lot outside the Eagle has about 12 spaces. Three cars just parked. Another is showing up. And a fifth. Almost all at once. As those people exit their cars, you hear another car arrive, and another. Almost all of them seem to dip hard on the unexpected, uneven ground, carelessly bottoming out. It's what cars do. Everyone's in a good mood. These are inexperienced drinkers, but they are also regulars. The Blue Eagle is their social club. So now, if you look at the front door, which is next to the jukebox, you'll now see a small conga line of these clowns arriving. At least that's Ben's perspective. It's their bar and he's a visitor, but the mood at the Eagle is certainly disturbed by their cheerful laughter and end of day enthusiasm. 
It's still sunlight outside, which you can feel every time the door is creaked open. But, Ben, it is 6 p.m. But, Ben, it is 6 p.m. It is 6 p.m. 6 p.m. is happy hour. Should have known that. And boy, does the crowd show up suddenly. And these assholes sure are happy, too. What a pep rally. Ben's being selfish. He had been alone, and for quite some time. But in the moment, and in his cups, as he is, the noise of others is disrupting him. The chatter of workers and the regular ending of their day, the chatter of workers and the regular ending of their day with a happy, damn good beer. Man, this is a damn good beer. Man, today was tough. This is a damn good beer. All that damn beer talk is an intrusion. Worse, since 1971, Clarence had caught up with the times and had openly begun to allow women inside any tavern. The presence of women had improved the decor. Women are much more pleasant, both to look at and to listen to. But if the goal is to mentally glue yourself or unglue yourself into a glass, it's quite a disruption. Women are quite a disruption. Women are quite a disruption. An hour or two passes. It's even worse now. One of these women, a staunch 30-year-old in a wool skirt, is dancing with a flimsier younger man. Seems like an office party of some sort. A bunch of novice drinkers. Who are these assholes? It's also gotten very loud, very loud. The MM5 jukebox is now loudly booming out on full power. The louder the jukebox gets, the louder everyone's voice in the room rises, as if to compete in a perpetual arms race. An arms race for annoying the fuck out of Ben. For annoying the fuck out of Ben, 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 Ben. For annoying the fuck out of Ben. But if alcohol can be the cause of any miracles, alcohol can be the cause of shifts of mood, shifts of mood, because suddenly, He's smiling. Over four hours here, maybe five, and the entire time a panel of wood had been lifted up to allow access to the bar. This panel of wood was on a pivot, and all of a sudden the bartender casually closes it, and it reveals a hidden part of the back wall that he hadn't seen. There's newspaper clippings on the wall, along with some other paper taped along with them. And the reason for Ben's sudden smile is one of those is a calendar. The calendar is frozen on March 1963. March 1963. Ben, for the life of him, can't be more moved. Rest in peace, Patsy. Eh? asked the bartender. Rest in peace, Patsy, said Ben again. Bartender shakes his face. He's like, oh, that guy's just mumbling. You must have a calendar on the wall because of Patsy Klein, says Ben. You must have a calendar on the wall because of Patsy Klein. 
because of past decline. He'd like to say it in an assertive way, like, you must have that calendar on the wall because of Patsy Cline. You must have that calendar on the wall because of Patsy Cline. You must have that calendar on the wall because of Patsy Cline. But he can't seem to control his face at the moment. What now? Asked the bartender. I can't hear you. You must have that calendar on the calendar on the calendar on the wall because of Patsy Cline. Ben suddenly yells. Patsy Cline. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Ben is pointing madly at the wall. He's trying to focus everyone around him on the calendar page. The month of March, 1963. There's no explanation why, in October 1973, there would be a calendar for March 1963 on the wall, except for one reason. must have that calendar on the wall because of Patsy Cline. must have that damn thing on the wall because of Patsy Cline, 19th March. And he said, it's right, March. You must have that same fucking wall. This is suddenly very important Klein. to Ben, and he struggles you insistently. You might have Patsy calendar on Listen. the wall. Listen. You must have that calendar. Listen. Patsy Klein. Ben is referring to March 5th, 1963, when Patsy Klein died. And in an attempt at describing this, Ben himself is crumbling. He hadn't said a single sentence in six hours, and his mouth and mind seem to have broken down. He can only point, and by now, Everyone is looking at him. He's making a scene. Ben looks down at his drink. He's suddenly furious. Ah, nobody's fucking listening to me, he thinks. A hand goes over his glass and pulls it away from him. It's the bartender preventing another sip. Ben is still insistent, but now he's mute, making lumbering stabs in the air at the 1963 calendar. He makes another attempt at talking. Is anything written on March 5th? Ben can barely yell, but he's curious if anybody has written anything on March 5th on that calendar, like rest in peace or some shit like that. He just wants to be liked at this moment, you know? Be the guy at the bar who knows when Patsy Cline died. Suddenly he's filled with an insecure desire. It's all explainable. Patsy Cline died on March 5th. Look at that. It's the calendar from March 1960. It's all explainable or fuck everyone if they don't get it. Once more he yells, pointing very emphatically, March 5th. You are cut off. Get the hell out of here. Ben's already paid up and he needs to go. Fine, I get it, I get it. Fine. Soon he's back inside his car. He turns his key and carefully exits the scene. Without needing to speak, Ben's mind sobers quickly, or at least it seems. No matter how drunk he gets, Ben drives straight. This is his programming. His motor skills 
are more capable than his vowel control. Ben is normally what you call an uptight and coldly tense person. Others feel that way about themselves too when they speak with Ben. He has just that kind of black hole quality. Ben loved Patsy Cline music as a younger person. Her death hurt more than Kennedy. But fuck Kennedy, really. Ben had happily voted for Nixon three times. Five times if you count Ike. Man, he really fucked it up in there with that shouting about Patsy Cline. Oh well. He bounces off some roadkill off the interstate and soon finds the familiar roads of Clarence. He'll be home in about 10 minutes. He ambles his car in at an angle. His home has a direct doorway from inside the garage. He stumbles inside and sits down on his chair. It's about 9.30 p.m. He turns on the TV. An hour later, Ben opens his eyes. He hears the door being opened in the lobby. Ah, Ben smiles. The girl is coming home. Ben looks over at the lobby entrance. Small sliver of light and shadow under his door. Marie's right inside there in the shared space of both of their residences. Carefully, Ben walks up quietly to the door, leaving on his TV, and he leans in to listen to the door on the other side of the lobby. No conversation, just a lock being opened, and what sounds like one pair of legs moving inside. Oh, what a pair of legs, Ben thinks to himself. The door on the other side audibly locks. Ben then walks up to the shared wall between the two units. It's her living room on one side and his on the other. There's some audible sound of a phone call being made with some muffled confirmation that she's home and that she had a nice night. Ben holds his ear to the wall for close to half an hour, hearing small suggestions of movement as the other side of the wall pulls something out of the fridge, finishes it with a spoon or a fork on a plate, cleans a dish, Silence for five minutes. And then seems to click on or click off a lamp. In the shared backyard, Ben sees the lights go out on the other side of the duplex. The show is over. She must be now asleep. Ben 
will be ready to fall asleep soon himself. And so he goes back to the chair in front of the TV, shuts his eyes, and tries to do just that. <laughs> <laughs> 